0: Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I got a word for you this morning we're going to share, and um, we're going to we're going to look at encounters with Jesus today. Um, I, I was speaking at High Road Chapel, who knows what High Road is, in Chilliwack, it's a, Christian school, and I was speaking at their chapel uh, earlier this week, Wednesday? Was that Wednesday? Thursday. And uh, I was looking at a story out of there that we're going to look at in a minute. Uh, But as I began to study and look at that story, the Lord began to speak to me a little bit deeper than what I shared with them at at their chapel. And I want to share that with you today, and we're going to talk about encounters with Jesus uh encounter I looked it up in the Webster's 1828 dictionary which is the best dictionary in the world you should use all the time but Webster's 1828 says an encounter is a meeting particularly a sudden or accidental meeting of two or more persons Uh, and I, I I I imagine that most of us here had some kind of encounter this morning didn't you you probably, you know, if you're like most people, you probably got in your car and drove to church. And maybe you stopped and got gas somewhere. Maybe you stopped at Starbucks and got coffee. Maybe you went to Tim Hortons. Maybe you had to get your breakfast sandwich. Maybe you were drinking your hot your chocolate milk from last night with coffee. And it may, but you had an encounter of some. Maybe you encountered somebody as you were coming into the building this morning. But I imagine if we took a poll, probably almost everybody here had some kind of encounter with another person this morning that was sudden or not really expected. You know what I'm talking about? You go in the grocery store, you got to pick something up, and you have an encounter with the person who's working at the till, or you, you have an encounter with somebody who's making your coffee. And we're going to talk about encounters with Jesus, and we're actually going to look at four different encounters that people had with Jesus. And my whole point today is this, is that encounters with Jesus, see a lot of people, we have encounters with Jesus, uh, but we just go on our way after that. We leave his presence unchanged. We leave his presence the same as when we showed up. But I want to look at some encounters because the point of an encounter with Jesus is to bring transformation in your life that leads to relationship with Jesus. That's my whole point for today. And if you didn't hear, I'm going to say it again. The whole point of encounters with Jesus is for you to encounter him, to have some kind of moment with him where there is radical change that takes place in your circumstances, in your heart, in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in who you are, and that change, that transformation that takes place leads you to a place of relationship with him. That's what we're talking about. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but you can take stock of your own life as we talk today. And if you can't see change happening in your life, I would dare say that maybe you're not encountering Jesus. It's really sad. Not kind of sad. To think about coming into contact with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus who is God coming into contact with Him and in His presence and leaving the same way you entered? That should not be. Should it? Not possible. So open your Bibles with me and we're gonna start looking. We're gonna look mostly in the book of Mark today. And we're gonna start in Mark chapter 8. Does everybody have a Bible this morning? some kind of biblical device. Mark chapter 8, I've got the New Living Translation. The first first encounter we're going to look at here is Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and they weren't a huge fan of Jesus. And so in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 11 says now Jesus had just finished feeding the 4,000 this was the second time he did this the first time was feeding the 5,000 now he's feeding 4,000 other people he's got seven loaves and a few fish the Bible says and the Bible says he gives thanks for them and then and then begins to distribute them and he feeds all these people with seven loaves and a few fish which is a miracle isn't it Mm -hmm. And then in verse, we don't have this on the screen, but in verse 10 it says, immediately after this, see this is the bonus verse, so this is why you have your own Bible or your own iPhone or your own iPad so you can read along for bonus verses that aren't on the screen. Uh, So in verse 10 it says, immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Verse 11 says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and he said, Why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he gets back into the boat, the Bible says, and he left them. And he crossed to the other side of the lake. This is the first encounter with Jesus that we're going to look at. And I want, I, as we look at these encounters, I want you to think about your life, your relationships, and the kind of encounters you have with Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, some people come to church, some people encounter Jesus with the same attitude and the same mindset that these Pharisees had. Let's go back a couple of verses here. Uh, and let's look at this. Um, verse 11. Let's go there. Um, it says this: They arrive, they show up, and they begin to argue with Jesus, and they start um, arguing with him and testing him, and they demand that Jesus shows them a miracle. Listen, the only time you demand something is when you think you're the one in control, right? And so these Pharisees show up with Jesus, and they're arguing him, and they're testing, and they want Jesus to prove himself to them, and they say, show us a sign. They demand to show us a miracle. They're demanding of Jesus. When you are in this place, this isn't a place of faith. This is a place of authority where you say, I'm the one who's in charge here. And a lot of times, people will come to church, they will encounter Jesus and demand things of him. Now listen, don't hear me say that Jesus isn't okay with you asking him questions, Because of course he is. Jesus loves you to ask him questions. Jesus loves to show himself to you. But these people weren't asking Jesus really to show himself. They were demanding something of Jesus. Prove yourself. And when you ask somebody to prove themselves to you, it requires no faith at all. It requires them to do all the work. And you say, oh, okay, I see. And look what happens here. I love this because these people show up. They have an encounter with Jesus, the son of God demanding something of them and jesus says i don't have time for this that's my paraphrase bible says he sighs deeply within himself and he says i'm not going to show you guys anything he literally just performed a miracle got in a boat came over gets out of the boat and they say show us a sign he says these guys are missing the point i'm not showing you anything and the bible says that jesus got back in the boat and left those boys behind I don't know about you, but I don't want to find myself at any time in life where I am demanding something of Jesus, and Jesus says, I don't have time for this, and gets in a boat and leaves me where he found me. <laughs> you say that's encouraging? <laughs> well, that's great. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> Treat Jesus like this. And that's why we're looking at this, because there's different encounters. People show up at church with different mindsets, and they say, Jesus, prove yourself to me. And Jesus says, take me at my word. Why don't you put your faith in me and watch me move? I'm not going to prove myself to you. You take me at face value. You take me at faith. That's what faith is. Let's look at the next encounter. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. And this is the story of the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10. Guys, don't worry, it gets better. We're going from, from, from worst to best. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, he says, You know the commandments. Uh, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. And you must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. The guy replies. He says, I've obeyed all these things since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So Jesus, this guy shows up and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus gives him the answer from, from the text. Right, you know the Ten Commandments. He's like, I'm going to give you these five, list them off. The guy says, I've been doing those my whole life. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, let's go a little deeper. The Bible says that he felt genuine love. And so Jesus says, okay, this guy's really asking. This guy really wants to know that one thing that is holding him back. He really wants to know what is is the thing in my life that I need to change so that I receive eternal life. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to tell you what that thing is. Because he felt genuine love for him. i want to tell you today that Jesus has genuine love for you. If you don't know that already, if you don't believe it, I want to remind you over and over and over again that the Father cares for you. He loves you. Jesus loves you like no other. And he, because he loves you, is willing to say the things that you may not want to hear or really want to deal with. And so this guy says, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, okay, Since I love you, I'm going to tell you. The guy says, great, here we go. Let's look here together. And he says, there's still one thing you haven't done. You followed all these rules. There's this one thing, though, that you haven't done yet. He said, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So, a couple thoughts here. This man approaches Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus, wanting to know how to receive eternal life. What do I have to do? Jesus loves him so much that, first off, he gives, like, the basic answer, and then realizes this guy is sincerely seeking and says, I feel love for you, so I'm going to tell you what you really want to know. I'm going to tell you that one thing in your heart that you really need to deal with. There's something hidden in your heart that we need to address and we need to take stock of and you need to take care of. And so he says, here's the one thing, the one thing you need to do. Sell all your possessions, get rid of them, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. See, Jesus, here we have a picture of Jesus inviting this man into relationship with him. Do this. Let's encounter each other. I'm going to transform your life, and then I want you to come and follow me. The Bible says, then the man's countenance, his face fell, and he walked away. This man left Jesus behind. Because the cost was too great for him to follow. That one thing was too great for him to follow Jesus. He said, I can't do that. I can't surrender that. Listen, there may be things in your life. When you go to Jesus and you say, what do I need to do? Father, look inside of my heart. Look inside of me. What do I need to change on the inside of here? So that I can move forward into all that you have for me. And he says, you need to address this. And when you ask Jesus, do you walk away and say, okay, I will do that? Or do you say, that's too far that's too hard I can't let go of this I can't let go of these addictions I can't let go of these patterns I can't let go of these these habits I want to hang on to these things or do you say I'll drop these things and come and follow you are you guys having as much fun as I am (laughs) so the first story the first encounter Jesus left the Pharisees behind This encounter, we see the man leaving Jesus behind because the cost was too great, or so he thought. Let's look at another story. Go to uh, Mark chapter 5. This is one of my favorite moments in the New Testament. In the gospels and it's the the woman with the issue of blood and jesus at the beginning of chapter 5 has just cast out the demons from the crazy guys in the cemetery and he's gotten a boat he's come back over and then he gets out of the boat and um jairus shows up and says my daughter is sick and dying come with me so that she can be healed and they're on their way to jairus's house to go Heal this little girl. And in in that moment, in verse 24, it says Jesus went with them. And all the people followed him. Say all. All. Jesus was being crowded by people everywhere. The news about who Jesus was was out. People knew what he was doing. People knew that he could heal sick people, that he was raising people from the dead, that people that were demon-possessed were being set free. And so Jesus was crowded by all kinds of people said, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, it says, she had gotten worse. I want to tell you something about this real quick. Just let's pause here in this story. And I want you to, I want you to put yourself in the place of this woman, because so often we read through the Word, and we don't stop and think about these people that we read about as real people. So I want you to stop and think about this person for just a moment. We're talking about a woman, a Jewish woman, who was was sick and bleeding for 12 years. Do you know that because she was bleeding, she had to live outside of the village. She couldn't come near people. And when she did, she had to yell out that she was unclean so that people stayed away from her. They couldn't come into contact with her. So she's living alone outside of the city by herself. The Bible says that she had spent all she had on doctors. Do you know what the doctors told her to do? I was reading about this. And in the Talmud, which is the rabbinic text that they get their, their law and their theology from, in, in the Talmud, there's, there is cures for bleeding. And some of the cures are things like this. Uh, go find an ostrich egg and burn it and collect the ashes and carry those ashes around in your pocket in a linen cloth in the winter time. And in the summertime, take those ashes and put them in a cotton cloth. And if you carry that around in your pocket, you'll be made whole. Here's another one. Uh, if, if if that doesn't work, then try this. If Advil doesn't work, try ibuprofen or try... He's, Here's the other thing. Um, You can go find a female donkey, has to be a female donkey, and you go find the droppings from the female donkey and go through them and find a piece of barley corn. And if you carry that piece of barley corn in your pocket, that also may heal you. This is the advice this lady is getting. And the Bible says that she's lost everything. So listen, think about, put yourself in this position. You've been here for 12 years. You're sick. You're not getting any better. And you have crazy things that they're telling you to do that you're trying anything. You've lost all your money. You're probably angry. You're probably upset. You're probably frustrated. You're probably sad and lonely. You're feeling all the emotions for 12 years. Okay, this is the lady that we're talking about. And so it says... That she had suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years. She spent everything she had to pay them, but she got no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. The King James says, I will be made whole. And that Greek word is the Greek word sozo. Can you put that up? And it means to save or deliver or protect, heal, preserve safe from danger, loss, and destruction. Do well and be made whole. This word sozo is, is mentioned 54 times in the Gospels. This is the kind of work that Jesus did. This is the kind of work that Jesus came to do. This is the kind of work that Jesus still does in your life. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I do know that a lot of us need to be saved and delivered or protected or healed or preserved safe from danger and loss and destruction. I do know that a lot of us need to be made whole. And this lady said, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just encounter Jesus and touch the hem of his cloak, the garment that he's wearing, I will be healed. I will be made whole. That's exciting. In verse 29, it says, immediately, immediately the blood stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized all at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? I always love that. I, I just love Jesus. Only, I feel like only Jesus would ask that question. Who touched my robe? There's people everywhere, the disciples say. There's literally people everywhere, crawling all over you, trying to touch you, and you want to know who touched your robe. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33 says, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, he said to her, this, If you have a Bible here, I'll tell you what. You need to highlight this. You need to underline it. You need to draw circles around it. You need to write copious amounts of notes in what Jesus' response to this woman was. He said to her, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Over. Your suffering is over. Go in peace. I want to remind you this morning, this lady had an encounter with Jesus. And what did Jesus do in that encounter? He exchanged her sickness. He exchanged her death. He exchanged her loneliness, her frustration, her hurts, and her wounds. He exchanged it all and in turn gives her healing, gives her life, and says, go on your way in peace. Your suffering is over. That's what an encounter with Jesus should look like. It shouldn't it shouldn't look like Jesus leaving you behind. It shouldn't look like you encountering Jesus and saying, "That's a bridge too far, Jesus. I just can't go there. You're asking too much of me. I love this stuff in the world too much. I can't let go of it." It should end with Jesus exchanging whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever hurts and wounds you have in your life, whatever questions you need answered. An exchange and encounter with Jesus should end with him exchanging those things, saying to you, "Hey, get Give me those and I'm gonna give you this and his response is go in peace your suffering is over that's some pretty exciting news okay let's look at one more remember my whole point for today is an encounter with Jesus an encounter with Jesus Should bring transformation in your life that leads to relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to walk with you every step of the way. He doesn't want to just show up, have an encounter like you would encounter the Starbucks barista, make your coffee, go on your way, and you have two minutes together. Jesus, wants to encounter you in a way that brings transformation, life transformation to you, and he begins to walk with you from now and forevermore, where he can continually work in your life, where he can continually show you what you need, where he can continually help you become more complete and more mature in his image. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. This is my, this is my last section we're going to look at. And I know we've read a lot of scripture today, but let me tell you what, I've seen a lot of churches lately that are not reading any scripture, and we're not going to be a church that doesn't look at the word of God. We're going to read our Bible, we're going to draw notes in it, you might like, well that's sacrilegious to draw, no, no it's not. This is the word of God, and you need to write down notes about what God is saying to you. Because when you read this word, sometimes he says something to you that's not even in here, and you need to make a note of it. You need to write down, like, what day he said it, what year, so that when you go back and say, oh, yeah, the Lord said this to me on this day. Okay, anyways, that was for free. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Hmm. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who we call Peter as well, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Here we have an encounter with Jesus. The boys are off doing something else. They're cleaning their nets. They finished fishing for the day. They're done. They actually fished all night long. They're cleaning up their nets. Jesus sees some empty boats, jumps in there to preach. Just a casual encounter. I want to tell you this, though. What you may think as a casual encounter is usually a divine encounter on the Lord's purpose. Things don't happen with the Lord just on chance. He's always working to work in your life. He's always orchestrating things to show himself alive and true to you. And so he gets in the boat, he pushed out in the water, and he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he says to Simon, uh, go out where it's a little deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master Simon says, you know, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. Uh, But if you say so, I'm going to let our nets down again. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. This is how the Lord wants to work in your life. God wants to show himself alive and true to you. And not just barely not just barely working in your life, where you could say, you know what, that could have been God, but that could have been somebody else. That could have been God, but that could have just been like a, an accident. That could have been a fluke. God wants to show up in your life in such a way that it causes your boat to sink almost. God wants to show up in your life, so you got to get some friends to come over and help you uh, contain and work with the goodness of God in your life. God wants to show up in your life so that your husband that has cancer is set free and healed. Verse 8 says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. What do we see happening right here? Transformation. There's a transformation taking place inside of Peter. Peter was one way, has an encounter with Jesus. His boat is sinking because there's so much fish in it. After he worked all night long trying to catch fish and couldn't catch anything, he said, And he shows up, has an encounter, and he begins to have this transformation process take place on the inside of him. He was awestruck, in verse 9, by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replies to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. As soon as they landed, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. That means they left the fish behind. They didn't stay and clean up the fish. They didn't stay, "Oh Jesus, we got to take these fish to market. We got to do this. I got to clean my boats. I got to scrape my boat down. I got to clean it. it. Smells like fish. I got to do this." You no, know, the Bible says that as soon as they got to shore, they left it all behind. You see there's an encounter. You see it moves to a transformation that takes place on the inside of you and you see that that transformation is meant to draw you to relationship with Jesus Christ. Stand up with me. You know what I want to do for a minute? Is I want to just take a moment together where we can encounter the Lord. Where we can stop and pause and let the Lord speak to us. Because he always wants to meet with you. He always wants to speak into your life. So if we just take a minute, you know, a lot of times... Let's just be real. When we start church and we have praise and worship, sometimes for some of us, none of you, other people at different churches, we sing the songs and we're like, let's just let's, let's get through this, let's get through this. And then when somebody stands up to preach, you're like, okay, you've been, pre- you've been talking for 10 minutes. Let's go, I wanna talk to my friends after church. I wanna go have lunch somewhere. But I wanna remind you that part of what all this is about is encountering Him so that He can work in your life. Because I, I bet if I asked and everybody was really honest and I said, hey, you know, who needs Jesus to move in their life? Who needs to really encounter Jesus? If we were all honest and I said, everybody close your eyes and everybody actually did close their eyes, you know, not do the churchy like, close your eyes where you close your eyes and then like, you kind of peek to see if everybody else. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about because I'm on this side of that, I always see. But I bet if we did that, I imagine a really good chunk, if not all of us would raise our hands and say, I need to encounter Jesus. I need to meet with Jesus. I need some transformation to take place in my life things are not what I want them to be things don't look the way that I think they should look and I know that I've tried on my own I've tried to do things myself they just don't work out the way that I hope but I know that if I can meet with Jesus he's gonna tell me to drop my nets and my boat is gonna sink because of the amount of fish in there And I'm gonna have to call my friends to come and help me because God is wanting to work and move in my life in ways that I haven't even imagined or thought before and as he does that he draws you into relationship not religion